The first week in this month's sermon series, The Heart of Humility, focuses on the call that Jesus gives to his first disciples. We're going to hear a familiar story. It's the catch of, of fish that uh, the, 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 the soon-to-be disciples have been fishing all night when they haven't caught a thing, and Jesus just tells them to throw the net over the other side. But as you're listening to this story, I want you to think about how is it that there's this exchange of power and humility happening, authority and, and, and service happening at the same time in this dynamic interaction between Jesus and Peter? And what results from that interaction is a calling of not just Peter, but James and John as well as the the core group of disciples. I want you to hear how that power play interacts with each other as the proprietor of the, the, the boat that Jesus is on recognizes just who he's standing in the boat with. Listen into this story from Luke chapter 5. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper, and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. He said, O Lord, please leave me, I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Maybe you've heard this story a million times. Maybe it's familiar to you. But as I spend time in the text yet again, I can't help but notice some of the details that I seem to have missed in the past. First of all, it's Peter's boat. Simon, as referred to in the reading, is also called Peter. So I'll just be calling him Peter, but it's Simon Peter in the, in the reading. So Peter is this fisherman. It's his boat. Jesus is teaching these great crowds, and he needs to get to a place where they can hear him better. So he borrows Peter's boat and goes out into the lake a little bit to have a little better uh, position from which to address the crowd. He gives this great teaching, and then, almost as a sort of repayment maybe, he, he tells Peter to go to the deep water and let down the nets again. Now Peter, an experienced fisherman who doesn't seem to have had uh, a much, uh, much success in his fishing of the previous night, just lets the nets down and says, I've been fishing all night, but because you say so, I'll let them down. Is he being sarcastic? Is he being hesitant? Is he just trying to get this guy who borrowed his boat off of it so he can get back on with his day? I don't know. But when he lets the nets down into the water, they are filled with so many fish, he needs to call another boat out just to help haul them in. And here we recognize the great power that Jesus has over nature because he instructed Peter to let his nets down and fill the nets with fish. We, we understand that Jesus is someone with great authority. Already it had been established in the story because of the preaching he was doing, but now Peter comes face to face with the fact that this guy isn't just a great teacher, he also has great power in nature and in the world as well. And as he's awestruck by this sudden realization, he kneels before Jesus. He says, get away from me. Leave me alone. You don't want anything to do with me. I'm just a sinful man. I'm just a normal person. I don't have anything special or great about me. In fact, I've got issues and problems in my past. Don't come near me. I'm not someone you want to associate with. And yet, Jesus looks him in the eye. 
he meets him face to face on the deck of that little fishing boat and he says, come with me. You're no longer going to be a fisherman. You're going to be a fisher of men. You're going to be my disciple. And, and this was such a convincing call, a call that couldn't be ignored. That Peter, in, in, the fa- in, in the wake, in the wake of just having had his whole week, maybe his whole month made as far as fishing goes, leaves it all behind. He probably doesn't even cash in on that, that great catch of fish because he's already set aside his career to follow Jesus. We're exploring the idea of humility today, especially humility in the face of a calling that doesn't seem like it fits the person who's received it. Maybe you've heard this phrase, Uh, Jesus doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. It's a familiar phrase. It's a helpful one to remember in times when we are experiencing self-doubt. But I want to paint the picture in another light as well. Uh, Say, for example, we're talking about a teenager on a mission trip in, in Central or South America for the first time. He's with a group of his peers and they're supposed to build a house, but he's never even been part of any kind of construction project before. His dad's in corporate, so he doesn't have a workbench. They're not working on cars. They're not building treehouses. It's just not something he has experience with. And so this kid is on a work site, and he's got a hammer, and the leader gives him an instruction to do something uh, with building the house. The student has kind of a choice to make. Is he going to listen and recognize his inability to perform or his, his, his unfamiliarity with the situation at hand and say, you know what? This isn't right for me. I'm going to stay over here to the side and just let you guys handle it. I don't deserve to be a part of it. And in a, in a strange, mistaken sense of what he thinks is humility, and yet it's a pride that says, I'm not willing to engage in something that I'm not quite ready for, he stays aside. He withdraws. He says no to the call, the invitation to participate in something new. Or he can choose to pick up the hammer and join the team and learn something new and embrace a calling in life that he had yet to face up until that point. Humility brings us to a point where we hear God's call kind of like that. And when we look at Peter as the test case, we recognize that he is, first of all, awestruck. He is is flabbergasted. He is just totally surprised at who Jesus is. This great teacher who commands great crowds all of a sudden also has great command over great crowds of fish as well. And he has the ability to to make my whole efforts of fishing for a whole night seem obsolete simply by a command of his voice. And he's inviting me to walk with him to bring other people into contact with the glory of God. How could someone like me do something like that? Peter is at the crossroads. Is he going to remove himself out of a strange sense of pride that says, I'm not qualified to do this? Or does he listen to Jesus' voice and step toward his Savior and join him on a mission to bring the good news to the world around them? As we listen to the story, of course we hear Peter follows Jesus' instruction. He hears the call of God and he obeys it. In fact, he obeys it as well as these other two fishermen, James and John, and those three become the three strongest and, and most central disciples of the group of 12 that followed Jesus on his journey. Great callings came to this humble servant, this professional who is called out of his profession. Now, I'm not saying that God is calling you to set aside your career. I'm not telling you that he's, he's, uh, he's commanding you to embrace a life change that, that makes you set aside everything you've put together or worked on in your whole life. Now, maybe God is. Maybe God's put it on your heart to embrace a radical change in your lifestyle. But what I think we all can hear when we hear this familiar story 
is the great and awesome, glorious Savior, the Son of God, joining us in our earthly lives and inviting us to walk with Him instead of our own pride and preferences. Who's going to be the authority over our lives? We might think it's humble of us to say we don't deserve to have Jesus ruling over us, but that's a sneaky way that pride gets in the way of our humility. We say, oh, I don't deserve that. I'm not qualified. I don't know God well enough. I'm not strong enough in my faith. I've got too many sins. I've got too much of a background. I've got too many persistent issues I'm working on. I'm not capable of being a disciple. But Jesus comes to Peter, a man who's full of sin, and says, you're coming with me. And when we encounter Jesus in that way, he's inviting us as well. Are you going to come with Jesus on this way of life, where you are no longer the one in charge, you're no longer the primary authority, and he's inviting you to join him on his mission of bringing the good news to the world. You can do it in your career. You can bring the good news to your family. You can live out a faithful life in the home that you live in. You don't need to throw all of the the, the way your life is going away when you put Jesus in charge. He is inviting you to join him in this new way of living where you recognize that he is, uh, he is the example we follow, his interactions with people, his leading with love. The fact that the, the maker of the world who sent his son into it is inviting us into that same journey is a point where we are like that teenager on a construction site being handed a hammer and saying, are you going to help us out or not? Let's not let our pride get in the way and instead humbly embrace the calling that God has given us to be his disciples, to join him on his project, to take the good news to the world. You and I can be fishers of men as well. As we take some time for prayer this week, I want you to focus on different arenas in which God is at work throughout the world, ranging from universal uh, universal attention all the way down to your personal situation. So this week, take some time to pray to God for the whole world. And then take a few moments to pray to God about our country. And then about our city or your community. Then I ask you to lift up our church, our our shepherd family in prayer. And finally then, reach out to God for your personal struggles. And through it all, be thankful and reverent of the fact that this great and awesome God has invited us into a calling with him. We can glorify and praise him for that amazing invitation in our lives. Let's take some time for prayer this week.